Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast, in particular our World War II podcast, The War. The War is a series that I did uh, nearly a decade ago in preparation for the 70th anniversary of D-Day in which I put together a series that told the story of America starting in the pre-war era, going through the war, and into the post-war era. And I use not only news programs, but also comedy, drama, and music to tell that story. You can find the whole series, 277 episodes, at thewar.greatdetectives.net, and you can... Find all of our podcast series at the Great Detectives homepage at greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. We're bringing you episodes one and two of the serial today, but you can, if you so desire, hit pause now and then listen to the entire serial together tomorrow on Friday. But now, from June 11th and June 12th, 1956, here is The Laughing Matter, Episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Ed Renser, Johnny, Union States Casualty Company. Oh, hi, Ed. I heard you were trying to reach me. Yes, indeed. A plane leaves in two hours. For where? Ensenada. It's a port on the west coast of Mexico, south... Yeah, I know, Ed. I know. I've been there, well, but now, what Charlie you... Burton is down there, Johnny. You know, the big nightclub TV comic. You know, good old lovable boyish Charlie? I've seen his show. Who hasn't? Really keeps you screaming, doesn't he? Oh, he is a killer. Eesh. So what do I do? Go out there and scream it up for you him? go out there and keep him alive. Someone's threatened to murder him. One of his audience, maybe? <laughs> no, wait, Johnny. This is no laughing matter. Anything happens to Charlie Burton, I cut my throat. Hey, you really do like his show. We're carrying a half million dollars worth of insurance on that boy. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office, Union States Casualty Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the laughing matter. Item one, $221.50. Transportation by scheduled airline to San Diego, Ensenadas there, and charter plane for a flight 80 miles south into Mexico to Ensenada. Item two, $1.90, taxi from the plowed ground airstrip to the Carrara Marble foyer of the Plush Balboa Beach Hotel. The contrast was typical. Ensenada is two towns, really. 
The tourist town is a glittering belt of pseudo-swank resorts around the south end of the bay. Bald-headed men in flowery sports shirts and fat women in shorts, loaded down with cameras, souvenirs, and U.S. dollars. The loafing town. And next to it, the rows of warehouses and docks, the fishing fleets and freezer plants, narrow dirt streets and slums. Soft-eyed Mexicans and the gentle, liquid sound of Spanish. Native town, the working town. Two different ways of life, and no bridge of understanding between. The executive producer of The Charlie Burton Show, a man named Frank Maltz, was in my room five minutes after I checked in. Glad to know you, Mr. Dollar. He was probably in his middle 40s, but looked older, haggard, pressured, a little battered around the edges. He might not have his ulcer yet, but he was sure working on one. Didn't waste much time getting here. Well, that phone call of yours got them pretty upset back there in Hartford. I meant for it, So too. I get him. Have you called in the local authorities, Mr. Maltz? No. Why not? It wouldn't have done any good. Charlie would have blown his top and had him thrown out. Good old lovable Charlie? Yes. He doesn't know you phoned Hartford. No. He'd have stopped me if he'd known. Why? Does he want to die? Oh, he says he's had murder threats before, crank letters. He wouldn't take it seriously. But you do, is that it? I didn't figure. It was up to me to decide... As I understand it, Mr. Maltz, there was a note of some kind slipped under Burton's door. That's right. Well, tell me about it, will you? All right, yesterday evening after we came back from shooting some scenes around the bay, we went to our room, shower, clean up for dinner. Uh-huh. You know? When Charlie started to leave his room, he saw the note. Where is his room? Fourth one down on the terrace to the left. All our rooms open onto this same terrace. Do you still have that note? No, no. Charlie tore it up after he read it. Did he show it to anybody? Yes, to me. It was on stationery from the hotel here. It was in pencil and crudely printed. Remember the wording? Oh, yes. It said, only the gods are immortal, Burton. As you'll soon find out, you'll never leave Ensenada alive. Hmm. Kind of an odd way of putting it. Yeah, I thought so myself. Know anyone who might use that style of phrasing? <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. All right. What else, Mr. Maltz? Nothing else. Those are the facts. Anything happened since the note? Not as far as I know. Burton could be right, of course. The whole thing may be a hoax. Yeah, maybe, but that's for you to decide, not me. Who do you know who might think they had a reason to kill him? Ah, uh-huh. I think I'll let you form your own conclusions on that. Oh, thanks, Mr. Maltz. That's very thoughtful of you. All me. right, I'm sorry. I realize I haven't given you much to go on. Practically nothing. I can't help it, Dollar. That's all I know about it. I see. Well, talk to the others. See what they know what about it. others? Well, I was thinking mainly of Gloria Dale and Al Schreiber. And there's Charlie himself, of course. Suppose you brief me on those other two. All right. Gloria Dale's the feminine lead. Oh, yeah, I've seen her on TV. Yeah, probably. She's been with the show for three years. She's in her late 20s. She's single. She's gorgeous. She has a terrific sense of comedy. How does she get along with old, lovable Charlie? Good question. Maybe she can give you an answer to it. All right, I'll ask her. And who was that other one you mentioned? Al Schreiber? Yeah, he's a young newcomer. He's been with the show six months now. A real talent, if he were ever given a chance to show it. Why isn't he given a chance? Uh, because on the Charlie Burton show, my friend, there is one and only one star, namely... Good old, lovable boys, Charlie oh, Burton. Oh, you've been reading the press release. Well, as a matter of fact, I have. All right, who else? No, that's all. At least all that matter. The camera crew, the technicians who were sent up from Churubusco in Mexico City, they never heard of Charlie Burton before. And we haven't had much of any contact with anyone here in town. Now, I think that note was written by somebody right here in the family. That's another reason I sent for you instead of the local police. Just why did you send for me, Mr. Maltz? What do you mean? How do you feel about Charlie Burton? Haven't you guessed? More or less, I think. Well, I'll spell it right out for you, Mr. Dollar. I hate his guts. And what do you care whether he's murdered or not? Care? I'd get roaring drunk to celebrate it. And yet you're the one who phoned an SOS to Hartford. Well, sure. If Burton does get it, I want an expert around. 
Somebody will tag the right party for the crime. A matter of justice, is that it? Why not? Oh, because it's usually just a word people talk about. What they really want is to win. Ah. Is that what you want, Mr. Maltz? <laughs> Very funny. You ought to go on television. No, I'm waiting till they perfect it. I feel the same way about murder. So the legend of lovable Charlie was starting to crack. One person at least didn't love him, Frank Maltz, his executive producer. And there was something else besides hate in Frank Maltz's eyes, a weariness or bitterness, something I couldn't quite place. I filed the thought for the moment, took time to shower and change, and went looking for another pair of eyes, a prettier pair. And I found them, alone on the terrace with their owner. They were turned toward the west, toward the last golden edge of the sun as it sank into the Pacific. They were big and blue, and very lovely. Hello there. How are you, Miss Dale? Miss... I'm Johnny Dollar. I just got in from Hartford, and I've been talking with Frank Maltz. Oh, you must be with the advertising sponsor. No, I'm an insurance investigator. Huh? Yes, I'm here in regard to that threatening note that Mr. Burton received. Oh, that. You've heard about it, then? Oh, we all heard about it. Interminably. <laughs> from Burton, you mean? Who else? Oh, he paced and posed and beat his breast. He wept and stormed and shouted at us. Harangued, accused, and monologued us. <laughs> Our base ingratitude after all he'd done for us. Done to us, he should have said. That one of us, a viper in his bosom, should stoop to such a practical joke on good old luck. If it was a practical joke, what are you doing down here? You think it was a joke, Miss Dale? I don't, but Charlie himself said... Do you mean somebody really meant that threat? Maybe. Well, what do you know? Any ideas to who might have written it? Sure. Anybody who knows him. Is he that bad, actually? Mr. Dollar, you've heard the expression, horrid old man. Yeah. Well, if Charlie Burton worked for years to improve himself, I mean, really tried, eventually he might lift himself up high enough to be a horrid old man. <laughs> well, if it's like that, why do you stick around? Why do I? Because I signed a contract last year during an emotional crisis. And it's got two more years to run. Break it. Breathe a little clean air for a change. I'd be dead professionally, and that's about all I've got in life now. Professional career, such as it is. Same thing apply to Frank Maltz? Yep, contract. Executive producer is just a title. The Charlie Burton show is owned by Charlie Burton, lock, stock, barrel, and the souls of the employees. Something of a dictator. Egomaniac. He's a pre-adolescent paranoid with the ethics of a rattlesnake and the jealous instincts of a Turkish harem master. Uh -huh. oh, forgive me, Mr. Dollar. I had that line in a play once, but it still fits him. Tell me the truth, Miss Dale. Did you write that note? I'm a female comic, Mr. Dollar. So? So who can write? Gloria. Out here, Al, on the terrace. Al Schreiber, have you met him yet? No, but I've got him on the list. That may turn out to be quite a list before you're through. Downstairs bar at seven, honey. That's what you said. Downstairs bar at seven. Yeah, I know. I'm going in and change right now. Al, this is Johnny Dollar, Al Schreiber. Oh, Al. Hi, glad to see you. Mr. Dollar's an insurance investigator. He's here about that murder threat Charlie got. You mean that note was for real? Could be. Well, happy days. Maybe there's hope for us yet. Careful, Al. Mr. Dollar's making a list. Sweetie, I'd be proud to confess. Only I didn't think of the idea, and besides, I'm a coward. Did either of you actually see that note? No, but we heard about it. So I understand how does insurance figure in this? You mean some company actually wrote a policy on that earthworm? To the tune of a half million bucks. Holy Hannah, who's he worth that much to? His sponsor, the advertising client. I doubt if it's personal, really. They're just protecting their investment in the show. 
A half million fish. For a phony old fake who weighs in at a fast 30 cents. Say, maybe they're out to kill him and make a profit for themselves. Yeah, I'll put them on the list. And I take it you're in the club too, Al. Club? At least you're not wearing a love Charlie Burton button. Oh, sir. All I am, ever was, or hope to be in any future life. All I have, ever had, or expect to have at any time notwithstanding. The foregoing to supersede any previous statement, and irregardless of any utterance made hereafter, I owe in its entirety, and without any reservation whatsoever, to my one and only benefactor, that sterling, magnanimous, warm-hearted, genial... I'll bet you think I'm only saying that because it's in my contract. <laughs> Did you write the note, Al? I don't know what to say until I check with my writers. Yeah, I have the same problem with my underwriters. Say, that's not bad, Mr. Dollar. You know, you ought to Sorry, try tell Sorry, I'm waiting till they perfect it. <laughs> Item three, 80 cents, one drink. I had it sent from the bar and sat on the terrace alone and drank it. I watched the sun die in the west and let the soft night creep out of the hills of Mexico and sink down over me in gentle folds. Then I saw a man slip from the shadowed shrubbery and move cautiously up the terrace, a pale ghost dressed in the white cotton of a pan worker. As I came quietly to my feet, a girl ran from inside somewhere, clung to him and stopped him. They argued fiercely for a moment and guarded Spanish. Then the man turned and saw me and vanished into the darkness of the hotel gardens. The girl faced me for an instant, with eyes like frightened doves. Then she too turned and fled. But I'd recognize her. She was the hotel maid who'd brought ice to my room when I first arrived. So it was a lover's meeting, most likely. And yet, the man, before she stopped him, had been heading across the terrace toward Charlie Burton's room. Johnny Dollar. Oh, yes. Was hoping you'd come out of seclusion. Seclusion? I arrived in Ensenada at 4 o'clock this afternoon. It's now 10 p.m., and I still haven't been able to see the man I'm supposed to protect. I did not invite you here, Mr. Dollar. I do not need any protection. Well, my insurance company doesn't agree with you, and they've got a half million dollars riding on your life. Look, my life has not been threatened. That note was a mere bit of buffoonery perpetrated by one of those nearest and dearest to me. One of those to whom I have unstintingly devoted my oh, entire... Oh, knock it off, Burton. I know the good old lovable Charlie legend, and I've seen your TV show. Well, naturally. Look, are you going to talk to me, or do I wire my company to cancel your policy and notify your sponsor that you've refused to cooperate with us? <clears throat> Mr. Dollar, you may come down to my room in ten minutes. I'll be there in an hour, Burton. You wait on me for a change. <laughs> From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Ensenada, Mexico, to the Home Office, Union States Casualty Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the laughing matter. Expense account continued. Item five, a dollar and 40 cents. Taxi from the hotel in the village to the Comandancia Police on Frente Avenue. I wanted a rundown of one of the maids at the hotel, a girl named Valena Morales. I'd seen her on the hotel terrace shortly after dark near Charlie Burton's room. Seen her arguing with some man who'd managed to slip away from me in the darkness. Captain Peral said he'd check with me later and politely avoided asking what it was all about. If he had, I couldn't have told him. The Charlie Burton comedy show was on location at Ensenada, Mexico, and Frank Maltz, the producer, had frantically phoned Hartford and claimed Burton's life had been threatened. 
Burton thought it was a practical joke. Maltz didn't know. Neither did I. But I was there to find out. Hiya. You are Mr. John Dollar, I assume. You couldn't assume any corrector. Mind if I come in? By all means, do. Thanks. I am Charles Burton, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, I know. I've seen your face in a number of saloons. I beg your pardon? Oh, on their television sets. Oh, yes, of course. Well, sit down, Mr. Dollar. I just did. Yes, so I noticed. Well, I don't imagine you'll be here long enough for me to have something sent up from there. Oh, I'm sure I will. I'll have scotch on the rocks. Double. I see. Room service, please. This is Mr. Burton in Suite D. Please send up one scotch on the rocks. Double. Make it double. Oh, uh, just a moment, please. By the way, Mr. Dollar, what is your room number? I can't seem to remember it at the moment. Why don't you just charge it to yours and then bill me for it later? If you think your room service, cancel that order. Yes, I said cancel it. I will not tolerate this high-handed attitude from a hireling, sir. But not your hireling, Burton. Now, let's get a few things straight right now. From what I've heard about you up to now, I don't like you. And when I get to know you better, you like it or not. And I certainly do not. And there's nothing you can do about it. Oh. Try throwing your weight around with the insurance company and they'll cancel your policy. And if that happens, you'll have sponsor trouble right up to your neck. If you think you can... I think you're not going to let it happen, Burton. You can't afford to. So cut out the kidding and let's get on with it. You know, I... I like you, Dollar. (laughs) You're so uninhibited. I'm going to buy you that... Nope. Sorry. Why not? I didn't want it in the first place. It was only a way to get your goat break down that phony guard. But uh, have one yourself, though. Drinking is not one of my vices. Oh, so that explains it. Explains what? It wasn't one of Hitler's vices, either. (laughs) You're so delightfully insulting, you know. One can hardly take offense. Too bad. I'd hope for better results. Would you mind telling me just who exactly is responsible for this prejudiced opinion you have of me? Well, as I remember, it was fairly unanimous. As I know, you talked to Frank Maltz. Maltz, of course, is bitter because he hasn't been given complete control of my show. Or any control, the way I hear it. As long as it's the Charlie Burton show, Mr. Dollar, Charlie Burton intends to run it. Only the gods are immortal. Isn't that what the murder threat said? I'll get to that. Then there's Gloria Dale, my leading lady, dear Gloria... I suppose she told you I've treated her very badly. Practically forced her to sign a contract that pays her several thousand dollars a week. A hideous fate, actually. It could be. And Al Schreiber? Did he mention the fact that I took him out of a a 40-a-week burlesque house and taught him the subtleties of high-class, big-time comedy? Things that I... I had spent a lifetime perfecting. Look, Burton, if you're trying to convince me of your fine, sterling character, forget it. It's irrelevant. I'm here because You're here because of that note, and that's exactly what I'm getting at. You think it was written by one of those three people, don't you? Right. Well, I agree with you. But you also take the threat seriously. I don't. Why not? Because not one of them has any reason to kill me. Yes, I know how they talk. They're underpaid, overworked. The boss is a tyrant. They hate him, the same old patter. And that kind of talk never leads to murder, Mr. Dollar. (sighs) Yeah, you've got a point there, I guess. That note was pushed under my door yesterday as a crude attempt at a joke. Nothing else. Then Maltz lost his head and had you sent down here from Hartford. And the whole thing has become ridiculous. You may be right. Well, you sure you won't have that drink? No, no thanks. Oh, by the way, there's a maid at the hotel here. I believe she works all the rooms along the terrace here. 
A small girl, very pretty, with her short curly hair. Oh, uh, yes, 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 Valina. Oh, you've noticed her then? No, quite. I find her utterly charming. Would you happen to know whether she's married? I really didn't bother to ask. Does it matter? Not to me, but it might to her husband. <clears throat> you are determined, aren't you? There must be some reason why you're so scared. Scared? You do have a preposterous imagination. Good night, Mr. Dollar. It wasn't my imagination. Burton was scared, or worried, or upset. At any rate, something was bothering him. But at the moment, he was covering up for some reason, and there was nothing more I could do to push him. So I gave up for the time being and went back to my room. But I wasn't ready for sleep, and the terrace outside my windows lying empty in the moonlight seemed inviting. And even more so, the sound of breakers a hundred yards beyond. I followed a winding path through the hotel gardens and came out into Sandy Cove. And there I found her, Gloria Dale, sitting on the sea-worn rocks by the water's edge, with a bottle beside her, getting quietly drunk. You've discovered my guilty secret, Mr. Dollar, and I've only got one glass. It's that or the bottle. I'll share the glass with you, if it's all right. Sure. There you are. Thanks. Here's to the moon, people. They seem real close tonight, don't they? Yeah, they'll be dancing out there in the water by midnight. <laughs> I think you're as crazy as I am. <laughs> Crazier. You're not even in the same league. I'm glad you came. I go sort of nuts on moonlit nights by myself. Hey, what happened to Al? Weren't you two together? I sent him off to bed. He gets a little wearing sometimes. He's real gone on you, isn't he? I guess so. And you? He's a good guy. I like him a lot. He's fine, but... But no click, huh? No click. Here's to better better clicks. Hey, easy, kid. You're drinking it straight, you know. Help yourself. What are you trying to do to yourself, Gloria? Learn to forget. Forget the emptiness. The hollowness. There's nothing in me anymore. Except the hate, of course. There's plenty of hate. For Charlie Burton? For Charlie Burton. Do you hate him enough to kill him? You've always got your eye on the ball, haven't you, Mr. Dollar? More or less. Would you like to tell me about this emptiness? No, I don't think so. All right. Why not, though? It's the edge of the land and the edge of the sea. And you're from the moon and you go back there at dawn. So why not? Here's to the moon. It makes people crazy. Hey, save half of that one for me. Oh, sure. Here you are. Yeah, just leave it there. So? Well, a year ago, my contract was up. And I was leaving the show. And I was about to be married. Jerry, his name was. And he's the only man I ever really loved. Uh-huh. Burton was furious. He said I was letting him down. I was ungrateful. But he couldn't stop me because my contract was up. And one morning I got a note from Jerry. Special delivery. We were through, it said. Why? No explanation. Just a cold, vicious note. That same morning, Jerry left town with a friend. Chartered a plane and went to Canada on a hunting trip. And you didn't find out the reason for it? Later, yes. At the time, I was hurt. I was terribly hurt. I signed a new contract and went on working. And months later, I got the story around about. What was it? 
A private detective, one of the crooked ones. Had gone to Jerry with a complete report about me, supposedly. My private life, field reports, affidavits, statements, even photographs. A fake, the whole thing. But it convinced Jerry. You know who was behind it? I can guess. Sure. Good old, lovable Charlie Burton. He wanted to make sure I'd sign that contract. But when you did find out, why didn't you go to I Jerry? I wish and... I could have. That hunting trip, the plane, it crashed. Jerry never came back. He was killed. Mm. <laughs> That's crazy, huh? Oh, no, easy, sweet. Do I hate Charlie Burton enough to kill him? That's what you asked me, wasn't it? Sure, I hate him enough. A thousand times enough. Only I haven't got the nerve. So what do I do? I drink. Gloria. The hotel. Help me get back there. Please, Jenny. Will you take me home? Love and hate and the black sea rocks, and a lunatic's moon at midnight. And no help on this earth for a wounded heart but time itself. A tide was rising now and rising fast, and hidden by the darkness a wave curled and broke, and time ran out. I lunged out of bed and fumbled in the blackness for my robe and slippers and gun. Yeah, who is it? Charlie Burton. Open up, Hurry. Dollar, you've got to protect me. Somebody took a shot at me through my window from the terrace. Oh, it was probably just a crude, practical joke. Joke? Joke? This is no laughing matter. Don't you understand, Dollar? Somebody's out to kill me. Here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, a thickening web, clinging and sticky. But one of the flies pulls free by using a gun. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. It's an interesting setup and we've got some solid dramatic performances with a lot of people having reasons to hate Charlie. Uh, there was a bit of skip uh, in the audio in episode two, uh, so we missed like a little a second. Uh, alas, that appears to be in all the copies of this episode out there, so sorry about that, but I don't think we missed much. I think we know exactly what uh, Johnny Dollar said in the missing portion. A quick word on the question I asked uh a few weeks back about how listeners discovered the podcast. And I want to thank everyone who sent in a response that answered the question and really provided some good feedback. There were a couple of big things that stood out. The first is that nearly every response indicated that you found us through your own searches. I didn't receive any notice from anyone who said, I heard you from this podcast that you advertised on, or I found you through a newsletter you advertised in. So it suggests to me that those type of efforts, which I've done in the past, are not particularly effective. Now, I should add that we did get a couple of free promotions. They're both iHeartRadio and... Amazon Music ran ads for our podcast, and the numbers show that we had some success with those. If you're a major platform and you're willing to run, you know, thousands of free ads for my podcast, I will certainly work with you on that. But it suggests to me that I need to work as much as I can on search engine optimization stuff. And any sort of promotional budgets probably need to be geared that way. Now, of course, the nice thing about, you know, search optimization things is there are a lot of tips and tricks you can learn on your own, although that does take some time. The second thing that stood out is that people's searches were often spurred by experience with either terrestrial or satellite radio that piqued their interest and they wanted to learn more and that's how they found the podcast. Obviously, as someone said, there's not a whole lot that I can do with that. Although I have to say, definitely has caused me to think a little bit about radio and I've loved the idea of doing radio, but it's really seemed to me like the opportunity to do some new syndicated old-time radio program, or really any sort of radio drama program, is not readily available, as so many existing programs have been pushed more and more to, like, wee hours of the morning. Although I was surprised to find out that someone was actually able to get a syndicated uh, radio program on the air, um, Mr. Wyatt Cox and his classic radio theater, which uh, I believe went on the air in 2015 and stayed on the air until this past June where he had to step aside from it. He was doing three programming hours per day, seven days a week, which just astounds me. I, I could not do that pace. But if I could find something maybe a 
little bit or a lot less intensive, I'd definitely be open to considering the right opportunity. Because I think that radio may have been a bit more viable than I I gave it credit for, even in the 21st century. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we start with an email from Carrie who writes... Regarding Johnny Dollar, the matter of reasonable doubt, in my opinion, that was one of the most well-written and well-acted episodes I've ever heard from Johnny Dollar. I like the character Susan because unlike most 16-year-old girls, she seems bright, intelligent, and has a good sense of what's going on and a good feel for other people's uh, characters. Not playing a victim, she was actually insightful and very helpful to Johnny, which made her a great character. Keep up the good work. Love listening, Carrie. Well, thank you so much, Carrie, and I appreciate the comment. And while we talk a lot about reused scripts in the Johnny Dollar serials, it's important to note that there were a lot of original stories. Now, those coming from John Dawson, a.k.a. E. Jack Newman, were mostly recycled, but a great many of the less Crutchfield scripts were not based on any prior story as far as we can tell. And certainly that's the case with this one, and I think he definitely did a good Good job on it. And again, the rest of the production team was outstanding as well. Then we turn to YouTube, where Stolen Symphony writes, Is your accent truly like this? Well, I'll say a couple of things. I have been advised that I have a different voice for the podcast. But I don't think it's dramatically uh, different, and it's not something where I kind of sit down and make a... Decision, okay, this is the affectation I'm going to use for the podcast. The way I talk as I'm recording the podcast is automatic, so really it's natural. I don't think it's all that different from my normal speaking voice. So your answer is yes. This is not some uh, affectation on my part. And then I have a comment on Podbean, Mailbox Uno writes... Uh, I hate having to wait till Friday, but glad you upload early. Great sound quality. Do you still need an app maker? And the answer, of course, is yes, we still need an app maker specifically for getting the podcast onto the Roku and Kindle player where I think we can reach an audience that's a bit more untapped. So if anyone out there designs apps for those specific devices or you know somebody who is capable of that, I would love to hear from you. We already have apps for Apple and then we have an Android app that's available in the Amazon App Store for Android phones, but really would love to get onto the smart TVs. And then we have a review in the Apple Podcast Store, this one from McGill06, and uh, they write, appreciate all the work you do to present quality uh, product. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time to write a review. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to thank Sarah. Sarah has been one of our Patreon supporters since March 2017, currently supporting the program at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. 
Thank you so much for your support, Sarah. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you're enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We will be back on Friday with the conclusion of this Yours Truly Johnny Dollar story. But join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... The man you will contact when you reach your destination, Senor Mitchell, is Sergeant Romero. I sent him out to pick up the trail of the group two days ago. Where are they now, Captain? The last radio report I received from Romero a few hours before your arrival had the group camped at this point on the map, almost directly under us. You mean we're there already? We are. Come, I will assist you. Yeah. There's a little matter of slipping into a parachute. Rule number one, Captain. When about to make a parachute jump, don't forget the parachute. Uh, here we are, senor. <laughs> Thanks. There is a bright moon. That will help. I just assumed it wasn't so bright, Captain. Too easy for someone on the ground to spot the parachute. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.